Welcome back to the Strictly Opinionated Podcast. So, like I've said before, I did have uh, my buddy Kyle on for quite a while, um, and we got a lot of recording in. So, the next part of the series that I've done with Kyle, um, we talk a lot about baseball, and um, in regards to that, what the season kind of was like, why, what happened with the rule changes this year, and then we kind of get into a little bit of football versus baseball um, ideals. And um, at the end, we talk about whether or not the World Series, Victor, this year, the L.A. Dodgers actually counts like at all because, you know, COVID. So uh, tune in, strap in. Uh, it's going to be a great another great conversation. And uh, I hope you enjoy. One thing that I, I know you really love is Major League Baseball. So, like, I want to kind of dive into what you know because I am a dum-dum right now when it comes to Major League Baseball because of everything that happened. I was like, oh, yeah, baseball's on. Cool. And, like, I could w- get my sports fill if I needed it. Can you run me through what the rule changes were for this year? Yeah, so Major League Baseball, I mean, the battle between the players' union and the owners to start the season was probably one of the ugliest ones I think that I've ever seen. Um, It was really unfortunate, you know, trying to agree on how many games they wanted to play and what the prorated salary was going to look like and, you know, all of these different items. And, you know, obviously living within a pandemic and then finally agreeing upon the schedule of games that's going to be played. So it's 63 games. And over the course of those 63 games, each team, I think, had three off days total. Yeah, that's not a lot. No. All right, so you're you're playing – excuse me, 60 games in 63 days. Yes, so 60 games. So you get three off days. Um, That being said, there were a couple of teams that somehow managed to screw things up for Major League Baseball in the sense of getting a lot of games postponed, rescheduled due to COVID. So there were a lot of doubleheaders, which is something that we're not really used to seeing in baseball anymore. Um, Definitely used to be commonplace, um, you know, back, I would say, even like when my grandpa, I remember one of the stories that he told me when he was still alive. He went to uh, Old County Stadium for a Brewer game. The doubleheader. Both doubleheaders went into extra innings. Yeah, so he was he was at the baseball stadium literally all day long. Got extra baseball in both games. Like it, it's crazy. But I mean, this year one of the things that I kind of like they they switched the doubleheader aspect where if they needed to be played, they would only be seven inning games. Um, I think from the team perspective, that's definitely advantageous. So that way you're not wearing out your, you know, your roster, your bullpen um, throughout those two games. I mean, the Brewers last, one of their last series against the Cardinals, they had to play three doubleheaders because the Cardinals were the ones that messed things up and a whole bunch of players got COVID. I mean, that's, that's a little bit there. I mean, one of the other rules that they changed this year, they would start a runner at second base during extra innings just to try and end the game sooner. Um, what else did they do this year? Uh, universal DH, so designated hitter. 
what's your opinion on that? Cause that's one that I remember hearing about, like, so the, there's the AL and the NL. One of them gets a uh, guy that his only job is to hit the baseball. So your pitcher that focuses on pitching doesn't have to do it. So correct. Yeah. So the American league coming into this year was the only league that had the designated hitter spot. Um, you know, I was talking to my buddy Marcus about this and, you know, there were plenty of times that we just have conversations about it. And one of the things like, I kind of liked it for this year, but moving forward, I would really like to see that go back to the way it was. Mm. You know, personally, you know, the Brewers, yes, they got shellacked by the Dodgers in the playoffs this year. Um, you know, after a shortened season, thank God the Dodgers finally won a World Series. Yeah, now yeah. we don't have to talk about that anymore. But we do. We, we'll talk about well, that well, in a second. <laughs> absolutely we will. But, you know, thank goodness it finally happened for them. But anyways... Yeah, I really think that Craig Council, the Brewers manager, is one of the best managers in the game in regards to strategy mm-hmm. and properly managing the you know, managing a game. With a designated hitter, you don't have to worry about necessarily your pitching changes, you know, strategy that way, right? You know, they changed the rule where if you bring in a relief pitcher now they have to face a minimum of three batters. Or if you bring them in with, say, two outs in the inning, they face one batter. If the inning is ending or ended since that pitcher came in, you don't have to send them back out if you don't want to, but then you only use that pitcher for one hitter. Well, I mean, for me, when you look at the National League, you look at not having a designated hitter anymore, hopefully next year again, Craig Council's strategy when it comes to doing a double switch or... You know, okay, when do I want to bring in this relief pitcher to face this individual? And it's just, I mean, there's so much more strategy to it and trying to play small ball and actually win a baseball game with pitching strategy than it is, okay, let's just plug in another power hitter into that DH spot. Um, not to mention, for some strange reason, the Brewers have like three pitchers that can absolutely rake and just hit home runs. Yeah, I don't so. understand that. So somehow the Brewers end up finding these guys, and I think this has been like okay so i don't follow baseball but i'm pretty sure most of the time the brewers have a pitcher that can hit normally like oh absolutely i mean i remember this is 2009 year that i graduated high school and we took our senior class trip to miller park to go to a baseball game right the game ended one to nothing giovanni gallardo was the brewer's starting pitcher that day giovanni gallardo was responsible for the one offensive run the Brewers had that day and hit a home, like a no doubter home run to left center field. Right. I mean, that thing, he absolutely crushed it. And it's like, I mean, for me, that's, that's exciting to watch. Like I'm, I'm old school when it comes to baseball. I love a good pitcher's duel, but man, like, you know, I would joke around with my buddy Marcus again. I'm like, Hey, why don't we just put Brandon Woodruff in the DH spot? (laughs) The dude can hit like, I mean, like, I feel like the Brewers just have something cooking inside the building. They're like, you know what? We know that our pitchers need to hit at some point. So, like, it's built into their program almost. Like, it doesn't matter who takes over. Like, the Brewers organization is like, you know what? They're going to have to hit because we're in this league, and this isn't changing anytime soon. So part of their plan has to be, like, these guys need more reps at hitting just in general. So, like, when it's their off day or whatever, they take more batting practice or something like that. Like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, that, that definitely could be a part of it, you know, but for me, I look at it too. If you look at little league baseball or high school baseball, the best player on the team, right. Is typically going to play pitcher 
And during the games where, I mean, obviously Major League Baseball, if you're a starting pitcher, you pitch once every five days. Okay. High school, you play more than once every five days. So, like, okay, you pitch this game, and then we're going to move you to shortstop typically, right, Right. for your other games that you're not playing um, or pitching. Because they're a good player. Well, they're, they're always the best player on the team typically. So, I mean, for that, like, these kids that are going to D1 schools, like, whether they're pitching or not, like they've also played the field and they've also hit well enough. So I don't, I, I guess I've never fully understood it. Like the transition from college to the minors to the pros, like, okay, you're going to be a pitcher and that's all we want you to focus on. Okay. Yeah. I get that aspect. Like, yes, obviously you're not going to have guys like a Clayton Kershaw or a Jacob deGrom um, that are just absolutely dominant in their field mm-hmm. as starting pitchers. If you're having them focus on hitting three days out of the week. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And again, I love good pitchers duels. So I love seeing strikeouts. I mean, for both sides, if it's a low scoring game, that's great. But I would love to see the game go back to a little bit of small ball. Uh, that's that's so I barely played baseball growing up, and I'm not good at baseball. I don't have the hand-eye coordination. I'm left-handed. It, I would have been great because I'm left-handed. Like there's spots for me to play. If you only would have learned to pitch, man. Yeah, well, if if you haven't seen me throw a baseball, I can throw a football okay. Like it's not always on target, but I can throw it, and I can throw it with both hands. I can't throw a baseball to a person consistently. There's no way. I don't have it. It There's something about it. But, like, growing up, like, that small ball idea, like, that's what was taught to me, like, in the couple of years that I played. And this was, like, those uh, pony ball years. So, sure. like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we were playing. It was, like, get the run in, and we'll get a lead, and then we'll defend the best we can. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. And, I mean, that just... Don't get me wrong, I love seeing, you know, a guy like Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun, you know, these guys hit, like, monstrous home runs. It's it's exciting to watch, it is. But at the same time, like, if you are, so when the Brewers had Mike Moustakis, right, he's a dead pull hitter every single time he's up. So a big thing that's came into baseball the last several years is the shift. Okay, well, if you are a pull hitter, they're going to shift the entire side of the infield all over to the first base yeah, side where your shortstop is playing in shallow right field. Your third baseman is playing shortstop. Like, I mean, there are times where there's not even a guy on the left side of the infield past second base because they're so used to that. Like, drop a bunt. Just put you the know, ball down, get like in that's, the play. That's, You're going to make it. Well, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's the last thing, obviously, you want some of your power hitters to do. But in given circumstances, get the ball in play, get yourself on base, and get yourself around. Like, you know, score some runs that way. Yeah, it's it's just a challenge watching a lot of these teams. You know, unfortunately, the Brewers tend to be one of them right now, too. Focus too much on analytics and sit here and say, okay, well, launch angle and this and that just to try and hit home runs. Like, okay, yeah, I guess it's exciting. And that's why people maybe, you know, younger people especially who maybe didn't grow up watching baseball the same way I did, tune into the game because, right, they would rather see a high scoring. And in and, and my opinion, why the NFL is so popular, it's it's high scoring. It's fast paced. That's the only reason why. Right. Like, it's, I mean, there's a reason why soccer is not that popular in the United scoring. States. It's low scoring and it's not that quick. No. 
Baseball's the same thing. Now, I think they can figure out a way to speed up baseball a little bit more, too, yeah, as opposed yeah. to, you know, the batter calling time every other pitch or three times before a pitch is thrown to readjust his batting gloves and, you know, that obnoxious nonsense that they do. But I also think baseball players are probably the most superstitious and most routine players out of any professional athletes. They have their... Yeah, I... I would have to agree with that. The whole line thing, like you can't touch the line when you cross into the field of play. There's that. I don't know many other ones, but like there's the, it's not, a lot of players say it's not superstition. It's just a routine. And I'm like, but if you don't do it, are you going to have a terrible day? Like, is your, it, does your mind shut down because you touched the line? Right. And then that's just it, man. I mean, we, we think of like a routine, right? Okay. Well, if I follow the same routine every single day, no matter what I'm doing, chances are, I feel like I'm going to have more success. Right. So, I mean, if I don't do that same routine, I mean, okay, now I feel like I'm not going to have the same success that day. Well, great. Then there's the same reason why a, you know, a major league baseball player steps into the box sits here and digs her foot around in the dirt for a little bit. I was one of those. You know, I was definitely touches, one of those. touches each corner of the plate and, you know, just wiggling the bat around. And, you know, 10 seconds later, he's finally ready to see the first pitch. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, shorten up the routine, do something. But, I mean, again, it just, it's, I think they're so superstitious as individuals and as athletes. I think it's almost like built into us when we start early. So, like I said, I only played like two years in pony ball. Okay, the thing that you were supposed to do when you go up is adjust your gloves, dig yourself in, touch the plate a little, swing the bat around. This is all stuff that you're like, it's not you're not necessarily taught it, but you see it. And like the the guys who like their parents are like, yeah, baseball, baseball. And these kids have been watching baseball their entire lives. They're like, you know, this is what I'm doing. And then I'm like, all right, I don't play baseball. I guess I'm going to touch the plate a little bit. I'm going to kick some dirt around. Be like, all right, hold on, hold on. I, I get my time now, right? Like, I don't yeah. have to do anything. I'm holding up my hand, like, swinging like, uh, fuck, what's his name? The guy with the high. I mean, Craig Council had one of the highest batting stances I've ever seen. He was almost straight up, and the bat would be, like, up over oh, the gosh. top of his head. It was and it was crazy. I mean, I have no idea how that man ever hit a baseball oh, based off of where he. Oh, oh, Kevin Euclid, Euclid. yes. Yeah. 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 And, like, we were, you were just talking about the whole analytics thing. The thing that blows my mind is, like, they've come up with all of these new statistical categories that I don't have a clue what's going on. I understand batting average, how many hits you get, how many times you walk. Like, that that's about it. But, like, they're like, so, yeah, this movie Moneyball, yeah, everybody's in on it, so we're just going to shuffle the deck, bring those cards together. Here's 500 new statistical categories that'll help you win. I'm like, um, no. Money, Moneyball is a great film. And I think it's a really, really good way. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a really good way to be able to show somebody the amount of analytics that truly do go into baseball. I mean, it's mind-blowing what they're looking at, you know, and it's just we're now seeing analytics start to trickle into other sports that much more now. Definitely football, and I think that it almost belongs more in football than baseball. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, football, you play one game a week, okay? Baseball, you play multiple games a week. It doesn't fucking matter. No. In football, you put the guys in the specific uh, scenarios. So football is specifically a scenario standpoint. So the strategy part of that, it varies so much depending on where the game is. And I guess it is the same in baseball in a sense. But, like, the restriction on what you're able to do in baseball, I feel like 
almost hampers down the statistics because the goal is hit the like you can throw your pitch, you can hit the ball, and then the only thing that you can do as a runner on offense is run to the base. Like in football, if you're on offense, you can do whatever the hell you want behind the line of scrimmage. You just have to be set. Like there's just so much more there, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that in regards to the amount of, like, for football pre-snap motion, if you will. But I would also make the argument where if you have a guy, for instance, the Dodgers, right, Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. right field, phenomenal defensive player, phenomenal hitter, really, really fast, can steal bases. Yeah, I think in that regard, analytics will help you show, okay, if this pitcher has a delivery speed that is typically this, and we know that he typically throws a curveball when the count is this, that's a good pitch to steal on. Whereas even if you're not necessarily going that direction with it, if you're Mookie Betts, you can be standing over at first base, second base, wherever, jumping around, dancing around off the bag, acting like you're going to steal, and that just distracts the living hell out of a pitcher, which causes him to sit here and lose that focus on home plate, which bad pitch all of a sudden he walks the guy wild pitch pass ball whatever it might be and now Mookie Betts is standing at second base doing the exact same thing again all right all right I guess I don't watch enough baseball to uh think about it in that regard so maybe it does help baseball I I mean you you look at football right they have what football fields 50 yards wide yeah 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 right so I mean they literally have 50 yards of space to run back and forth and you know whatever it might be it's 40 yards i think i'm probably still wrong regardless when i was an out of shape high school kid it was a long way to run we'd have to use run gassers across the field like that it for me as as a fat kid it wasn't it wasn't ideal um but anyways don't you (laughs) anyways you know i mean you look at well we'll use the kansas city chiefs for example right i mean tyree kill good lord yes the amount of distance that that man covers in a single game it's just unbelievable. Yes, that is true. When you're looking at baseball, right, you're literally, the, the lead you're taking from first base to try and distract a pitcher is going to be about 11 feet. Okay. Right? Like 11 to 12 feet. Like, that's it. Like, that's, you know, three yards if you want to look at it and, you know. Yeah, I suppose. Three, three to four yards in regards to comparison to football to baseball. So, I mean... To be able to try and put that much distraction on a pitcher who's trying to make that one pitch to get an out or to prevent you from moving up 90 feet into scoring position, whatever that might look like. You know, again, Ty- Tyree Kill can run all over the field, and it's absolutely nuts. A defense can do the exact same thing. They can sit here and show pressure. They can back out of that pressure into coverage. And, I mean, it's just constant movement for sure. But I think when it comes to, again, back to our original point here with analytics, like I think baseball, especially when it comes to pitching matchups, you see analytics helping a lot more than, say, football. Because I forget what game it was. It was literally just a couple weeks ago already now. But there was a team that, it was against Seattle. Okay. So the game where Russell Wilson basically, you know, right fourth quarter comeback, you know, ended up winning that base or winning that game. They were down by six, mm-hmm. right? And whoever they were playing had a chance to kick a field goal. Oh, yeah, I remember this. To go up by nine. Yeah, and they, they didn't. And they... I think anal- it was Denver. And, was it Denver? It might have been. A- a- analytics 
told them, you go for it. Yeah. Okay, well, every NFL fan knows you do not give Russell Wilson a minute and 37 seconds. Right, to drive even down if he, Even if he does have to try and go 95 yards. Right. That's too much time for him, mm-hmm. right? And and he showed why. Yeah. Um, but again, that was a decision that was made based off of analytics. What on earth about, like, that, that part of analytics doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why are you leaving points off the board in a late part of the game, right? I mean, at that point, well, excuse me, they they were... Do you trust the kicker? That's the first thing. Do you trust him? Because you have to... So so now that I recall, they were up by five. If they would have kicked that field goal, that would have put them up by eight. Yes, okay. Whether you trust the kicker or not, though, even a miss... I mean, at that point, okay, say you don't trust your kicker. Okay, well, yeah, at least trot him out there for the simple fact of, okay, maybe we can put three points on the board... He might be having a bad warm-up, whatever that might look like. Okay, great. He's having a bad day, right? If that if that was the case, or if it's super windy, or, you know, the conditions just aren't quite right. But I don't believe it was a very long field goal no, to no, begin no, with. I don't think it was. I think what it came down to is, like, think about this, like, we're stacking analytics right now. So if we're stacking the analytics, how many of those times when they could have kicked the field goal or gone for it was it against Russell Wilson or Tom Brady or the guys that can do it? It was probably against guys that couldn't freaking do it. So even if they missed, there's no chance that name any quarterback that's not supposed to be a starting quarterback. What's the chance they go down the field and score? Like, Oh, I, I, I agree. I mean, you look at the Denver game from yesterday. Drew Locke made it interesting for the Broncos at the end, yeah, right? Yeah. They were just getting smashed all game long, but were able to, you know, they lost by seven. But, I mean, he had like 40 seconds left and he was out of timeouts. Yeah. He didn't move the ball. He threw three, you know, four incompletions, game was over. Same um, thing with Garrett Gilbert yesterday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that dude, I watched him in the AAF. I watched him not play in the XFL, I don't think, because he wasn't good enough to start, I guess. But he, like... He played some ball, and he was with a team that knew what was going on. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I just I just think analytics for me just don't fully belong in the NFL. I mean, to an extent, sure. You know, I can say, you know, maybe to a varying degree would analytics belong there. But at the same time, so Aaron Rodgers, yeah. okay? If a defensive back who was covering Devontae Adams gets hurt, and has to go sit out a play, and you have to bring somebody in off the bench to cover Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Guess where that ball's going? You don't need analytics to tell you, yes, I'm going to go target your third or fourth string defensive back who's covering my number one receiver. But the analytics are going to back it. I'm telling you that right now. Well, yeah, the, the analytics back it, sure. But, I mean, it just, yeah, it just, I don't know. It's just making smart football plays. Like, to me, again, that's, and, that's and, and maybe that is, there, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I guess it just bothered me still to this time, like, you leave points off the board. Like in yeah. that in that particular instance, I feel as though that was basically just like, okay, this is why analytics do not necessarily belong in football as much as they do baseball. I I, I want to finish this out with just this nugget and then we're gonna take a moment and we'll transition to something else. But I will tell you. So the name of my podcast is strictly opinionated. I'm gonna tell you right now, I am strictly opinionated about this. This is the thing. This is the thing for this episode right here. Analytics belong more in football than they do in baseball. And I'll tell you why. They belong more in football than baseball for the simple fact that it helps a coach back a decision. But if that coach chooses wrong, it's on them. It's not on the analytics. It's just because they 
they chose to do it. So the analytics can back something and say, this has a 22% chance of helping you win the game. That doesn't, that doesn't help bad coaching. You think analytics is fucking helping Adam Gaze? You are absolutely fucking wrong. He is a bad coach. If there are bad coaches using analytics, it doesn't matter what game you're playing. They belong in NFL. They belong in football because it strictly shows it can improve your chances of winning. Whether or not the coach is good enough to understand that knowledge, that that's a completely different story. That's that's Adam Gase. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're a Jets fan, Colin. The Jets are... <laughs> I mean, I, I did find it interesting. There was an article here. This is completely, you know, it has nothing to do with analytics, but apparently there are surveillance cameras in the Jets locker room. Yes, there are. I don't, um, I don't want to talk in, about in, that. In the fire alarms. I just found it interesting, <laughs> though, okay. Um, Bill Belichick conspiracy theory coming up here. The Jets are playing the Patriots tonight. And they're surveilling themselves so they can give it to the Patriots so they can force the Patriots to lose a draft pick or something like that. I mean, something. Hey, who knows? Could be. I don't know. Okay, so that's where I stand on the whole analytics thing. I'll tell you that right now. One thing I did want to talk about, though, is uh, since we're so focused in on baseball, you're a big baseball guy. I'm a big football guy, so it's easy to go back and forth and have our opinions on that. One thing that I want to know from you is, does the Dodgers World Championship count? Does it count? In your mind, as a sports fan, you're all up in baseball. Does it count? Absolutely. Okay, why? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm gonna tell you why. Um, so it, there's there's a lot of doubt that it counts. I mean, you know, you look at this season, and you played 60 games in 63 days, right? I mean, most of the time, I mean, the number of off days that you get in a season. I mean, you're managing your bullpen. I mean, the ability to manage a bullpen when you're playing literally every single day, sometimes twice a day if you have double headers, right? Shortened double headers. Shortened double headers, sure, but not, nonetheless, still double headers, right? I mean, you're playing every single day, sometimes for 19 days straight. Now, some teams, I think, even had stretches longer than that, than, you know, 19 games in a row. Now, you look at a long homestand or road trip for a normal season, it might be 11 days, but you're playing eight games and have two travel days or, you know, whatever that looks like, right? So, I mean, you have more off days, you have more of a chance to rest, you have the ability for these guys to be in more of a routine, whereas this year was you go to the ballpark, you play the game, right? And there's, you know, God only knows how many times a day they got tested for coronavirus, too. The question I have is, is it the one that went up into their brain, or is it just that shallow one? What do you think? Because <sighs> if it's every day, you got to think, like, at a certain point, I'm thinking, if that's getting shoved back in my nose all the time, maybe that's why some players dropped out early on in the season. They're like, I'm not doing that. But if it's the shallow one, like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a that's a good thought. I, I would assume probably the shallow one. I mean, if they're getting the brain tickle every day, maybe that's why the Dodgers did better. That could be. <laughs> that could be. Um, finally knocked out some of the junk of Clayton Kershaw's postseason garbage that he's been throwing for the last several years. Yeah, not um, <laughs> No, his, his postseason performance has been absolutely atrocious. This year is lights out, though. He had a phenomenal postseason. But again, I think that's a legitimate World Series victory. Because you look at 
what they had to go through playing that many games in such a short period of time, that many games in a row, you know, not having any fans for your home games because they're in California. I mean, it's right. baseball. The, the fans you, only like make noise in like the ninth inning. Like you would, you would think, um, and I'll agree with that. Where the fans might not necessarily seem to play as big of a role during the regular season, but speaking from experience of a guy who's been to postseason baseball, including one of the games in the National League Championship Series between the Brewers and Dodgers just a couple of years ago, you know that I I couldn't talk for like two days after. That game, then, and, and the Brewers lost that game too, um, the one that I was at when they were playing the Dodgers in the playoffs there. But I mean, playoff baseball and the fans that you have at these playoff games totally different animal than the regular season. I feel like that's almost in every sport though. The only issue that I have with baseball is that you only hear really from the fans in the fourth quarter. Like in a football game, you're going to hear them the entire game. In a soccer game, you're going to hear them the whole game. In an NHL, any kind of hockey game, you're going to hear them the whole game. If anything, I think in baseball, it's more of an ambiance kind of thing. Like you have guys like you can hear the in the background. Right. Like, yeah. 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 I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that, I suppose. But at the same time, I mean, those big moments, I mean, if you are right to your point in the ninth inning, mm-hmm. Well, if I'm a closing pitcher, right, and I'm coming in the ninth inning to try and close out a game because my team's got a three to two lead, and you know, it's just, it, I just want the crowd support, right? I mean, I want to be able to hear that. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's almost like if you're, you know, I would almost assume standing in a batter's box in the bottom of the ninth inning down by a run, right, or in the top of the ninth inning down by a run, you're trying to tie the game you're trying to win the game, whatever that might look like, right, is almost the equivalent of standing at the free throw line of an NBA game when you're trying to hit a free, you know, in in the finals, right? I mean, it's just, it's it's such a big moment where if you're a batter and you're in the top of the ninth and you're playing, you know, at your opponent's stadium and you're trying to tie the game and the crowd's at full throat, that's distracting. Right? I don't care what sport you're playing. That's going to be yeah. distracting. I think the biggest argument in this sense is that in the ninth inning, the ninth inning almost is equal to, like, it's equal to the fourth quarter of a football game. It's equal to the last few minutes of a soccer game or the last few minutes of a hockey game. It's equal to, but it's so concentrated that, like, the the fans only matter. During, for my, like, outside understanding of what's happening the big part is the ninth inning. The ninth inning is when the fans need to be there. Yes and no. <laughs> so I'll give you, I guess I'll fire back on that. Or yes, if it's a close game in the ninth inning, absolutely. But the beautiful thing about baseball is, yes, you have your games that are absolute blowouts. But as I've mentioned before, you also have your games that are absolute pitcher's duels and a pitcher's throwing a no-hitter through six innings or, um, you know, it's still a 0-0 game and your starting pitcher's still on the mound and they're struggling through an inning, the bases are loaded, there's only one out. This is the game that decides whether or not you win the series or if you're a Brewers fan you have the chance to sweep the Cubs you know in just a regular series I mean a sweep's a a, a big deal right in just any series especially against a divisional opponent you know or it's deciding whether or not you get to make the playoffs right the beauty about baseball 
is, in my opinion, right? We're going to go back to the strictly opinionated part oh, here. No, here we go. In my in my strictly opinionated sense here, baseball almost has multiple ninth innings per game because it can be so situational against so many different teams with so, like all the different outcomes that you could possibly have. Again, bases loaded, one out, 0-0 zero, zero game. Bases loaded, one out, you have a one-run lead. Like, I mean, whether that's in the fifth inning or the ninth inning, like that's a big inning for your team to try and get through, whether it's to scoring runs or to getting the other team out and getting out of that jam and getting out of that inning. You know, for me, again, and I've watched baseball and played, you know, I played baseball from the time I could play t-ball all the way through, you know, 11, 12 years old. You know, I've watched it my entire life. I remember going to County Stadium, Miller Park, been to Target Field up in Minneapolis to watch a game. You know, it's just, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think that that's why I love it so much is like, you can almost have that set up for multiple ninth innings, so to speak, throughout the course of one game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, it's almost, it's almost breaks down to me that like, so again, I'm the big football guy over here and my mind's always going to go back there. So when I'm thinking about this right now, it's all about a count. It's about a count, not a clock. It's about a count. So in football, you have a count. You have a count of how many times you can try to get a first down. You have a count of how many yards you have to get. In baseball, you have a count of how many guys are on, how many pitches you have to potentially hit, how many this, that, or the other thing. Like it, it all breaks down to a count and just when the moment hits. So like, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm going to leave you entitled to your opinion over there, but mine still stands that I feel like the pressure builds almost more in a football game just, and the fans are more important in that scenario. But I think we're going to break apart from this right now before we start talking about this for another like hour. We'll we'll, we'll go back to the original point though, in regards to the fact that yes, the Dodgers world series win absolutely counts there there is no asterisk next to that for me you know it was was a challenging year I mean you know the World Series you couldn't even play in front of your home fans it was played at a neutral site you know so with without a doubt I mean good for the Dodgers thank god I'm so sick and tired of hearing will the Dodgers win a World Series can Clayton Kershaw's legacy finally be Mm -hmm. cemented with a World Series win like it's, it's finally done with right I mean he's finally got his World Series I mean, you know, the Dodgers can finally maybe decide to not have like a seven hundred million dollar payroll. Um, that, that's an entire different conversation. That's, that's, yes, yes, it is. But you know, it's just good, good for them. Happy for the Dodgers. Um, Brewers are next. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's a that's another if, another. If, if, if we get some starting pitching, but that's that's another full conversation for sure. All right, another another time. All right, that should wrap up this session. Um, I really enjoyed recording with Kyle. We have a great back and forth, and there's a lot of knowledge between the two of us to talk about. So I've really enjoyed having him on. I'm planning on putting out more uh, parts to our long conversation that we had uh, going into the following weeks coming up. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard here, you can go back and check out some of my older stuff. It, it's not that good. I'll leave it at that. Um, but it's something interesting to listen to. I talked a lot about the XFL and um, all of that stuff. And the XFL is back, I guess. Uh, thanks to Dwayne Johnson. But 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, go ahead and check that out. Um, you can find me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, basically everything but Apple Podcasts because for some reason they make that very difficult to get into. Um, so, yeah, if you enjoyed, check me out. Strictly Opinionated Podcast. Thanks. And stay tuned.